0: If you're ready to open your heart and step fully into the person God created you to be, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Candid Catholic Convos. As an army wife, one of my favorite things to do is to turn the calendar to a new month. See, when my husband was deployed, each calendar flip meant he was one month closer to being home. Each beginning of the new month meant a fresh start. And with that came the opportunity for me to plan. One of the things I like to plan every week is meals. I'll sit down with my calendar and I'll make a grocery list based on meals we'll be having for the next week or two. And just a couple days ago, I sat down to make our list for the first two weeks of February, and that's when it hit me. In just 10 short days, we will begin the season of Lent. I know, right? (laughs) Honestly, it feels like Christmas was just yesterday. And with the beginning of Lent comes the beginning of Meatless Fridays. If you're anything like me, by the time Friday rolls around, the last thing I want to do is cook. So I usually opt for an easy family dinner. Hence why our go-to meal for the last several Fridays has been pizza. Personally, I love a good pizza. But I cannot live on pizza alone for the next several Fridays. I like to mix it up, and I want to get my kids to try new things, but I also want to keep it simple. So what should we do? Enter the local parish fish fry. This generations-old practice has been a staple in Catholic communities dating back to Prohibition when they were used to disguise speakeasies to keep the bars from going under financially, and even further overseas. Just like at Christmas, or Thanksgiving, or birthdays, or any given Tuesday, really, Food is celebratory. It's traditional. It brings us together. Friday fish fries are no different. But why fish? Why Fridays? And why did it change from no meat on every Friday to just no meat on Fridays during Lent? If you ask my dad, he'll tell you it was an economic disruptor because the apostles were fishermen. And if you read the history books, you'll know he wasn't all wrong today we're welcoming back Father Jonathan Suwicki, Pastor at St. Teresa's Church in New Cumberland to share with us the rich history of this tradition, why fish is the main dish, and how strong this ministry of Friday fish fries still is today Let's start with the obvious question: Lent is coming up. it feels like we just celebrated Christmas, which I guess we did but but all of a sudden it's Lent. so I want to start with the obvious question: why do we abstain from meat on Fridays during Lent and From my understanding, it used to be, you know, my parents talk about, well, we used to never be able to eat meat on Friday's period, not just during Lent. So when did that change from no meat on Fridays ever to just no meat on Fridays during Lent?
1: Sure. That's a great, I mean, that's, it's a Catholic identifier of meatless Fridays. Okay. When I was a high school chaplain, first off, when I was a high school chaplain, every now and then you'd play a team. And. Typically, the schools I was attached to, many of our sports teams were fantastic. Okay. And every now and then, I'd hear the stories from students that the opposing side of a school district or whatever, a different school, would throw Swedish fish at our student section. Okay. (laughs) You know, those little red fish that your kid's eat. I love
0: those. Yes.
1: You know, they're a guilty pleasure. And then I would have to explain further. They were throwing Swedish fish at us. I said, do you know why? Why? I said, because we're fish eaters. What? Well, you know Friday's a Lent, we don't eat meat. Well, the olden days, people would call Catholics fish eaters because they'd often eat fish on Fridays. It was identifier. And I've often said, fired up to those kids or faculty, whoever's listening, I think the bishops should bring back meatless Fridays. Just if that's the best insult that they can throw at us, let's keep it going. Okay. <laughs> um, so, I mean, as a Catholic identifier, Meatless Fridays. Um, first off, we can't talk about Meatless Fridays or Meatless Fridays of Lent without just talking in general about penance. Okay, and this is hard for us as Americans. You know, people have said the last time we've had to do rationing was World War II, mm-hmm. before my parents were born. So we don't, it's hard for us to understand sacrifice and therefore penance, because we are a blessed people in these United States, okay? So when we're asked to give something up willingly, they say, for what reason? I think that there's also sometimes in um, certain strands of Christianity, and in some American Christianity, Jesus already paid the sacrifice. Why do we need to sacrifice anymore? As Catholics, We believe that there's redemption in our suffering. There's salvific redemption, okay? Even all of our our, our salvific suffering. When our suffering, and think about it, Meatless Friday is a self-imposed offering or suffering. Our suffering can be redemptive when we unite it to Christ on the cross. St. Paul speaks about, I complete in my flesh what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. So there's... Certain things of an American prosperity gospel at times, Jesus doesn't want us to suffer. Whereas we would respond, our Lord himself says, take up your cross daily and follow after me. And what St. Paul then echoed in with completing the sufferings of Christ, not that Christ's sufferings were lacking, but he's asking us to share in them, in in our own sufferings. When I anoint people in the hospital, I said, you know, we, we pray, number one, that this anointing, provide physical healing. we pray for miracles we pray for that tumor to to shrink we pray for the hands of the doctors and nurses to be guided during that open heart surgery right but we also pray and even if not visible there's an internal healing that you're able I say to the person suffering being anointed, you are able to unite your sufferings to the sufferings of Christ on his cross so that we can all share in his resurrection. Okay. So that's why we have this thing called penance. Okay. Um, Penance comes from a Latin word, penitence, okay, the derivative thereof, which means conversion. You know, when you go through, like an alcoholic, when they come to that awakening of the, they've reached rock bottom, I've reached rock bottom. And I have to now trust in that higher power because I've gone as far down as I can go. Anybody in Alcoholics Anonymous would say that's the graced, Catholic world, that's a graced moment, that awareness. That's that beginning of that conversion because it says I have to change and I can't do it on my own power. Okay. So first is penance. It's, It's hard to do, but if we're faithful to the gospel, we'll do it. And it's not just the penance of three Hail Marys at the end of, uh, you know, the confession. It's the penance of participating in what Christ did on the cross for us. As a pastor, as a priest, this isn't a cakewalk. Sometimes I have to say to people, you know, this isn't as easy as it looks. Okay, balancing all different things. And, you know, we make difficult decisions And sometimes heartbreaking decisions, we have to choose to do something. I said to a priest brother of mine just earlier today, I said, you know, in all of our sufferings, I would rather do this as stressful as it is than be clubbed to death or stoned in the town square or my fingers cut off in that martyrdom. We're all called to witness We're all called to conform our life to Christ and to die to ourselves. You know, to to, to summarize it, if we can't say no to that Chick-fil-A on the way home from work on Friday, the uh, 16th of February, the first Friday of Lent, if I can't say no to that and that training of my will, how am I going to say no to sin? When it really comes and afflicts me, that temptation afflicts me. Practicing penance, because the threefold, and, and think of this, the threefold penance, uh, the threefold discipline of Lent is prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Okay? Go to the gospel of Christ's temptation in the desert. Christ was fasting for 40 days, and he's tempted. Turn these stones into bread and you'll be, you'll be satisfied. Man does not live by bread alone. St. John, in his letter, in his, in his Catholic letter, at the end, talks about the threefold lust, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And they are combated against by prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Prayer is the antidote to pride. Fasting, disciplining of the body, is the antidote to the desire to f- satisfy your flesh. And giving of yourself, almsgiving, that charity, pouring out yourself, is the antidote toward the lust of the eyes. I want more and more and more, and I'll be satisfied. If I just have another bay in my garage, I'll be happy. No, you'll just get more junk, and you'll be paralyzed by analysis. You don't know where to begin. So, I mean, why do we fast? Our blessed Lord did 40 days in the desert. And that prepared him for his public ministry. I, I think that's a good enough reason for me. I don't know about you guys. It you works.
0: Know? It works. So, so how how did fish become to be the main dish then? Is it just because like that was the main? Well, that's a great question.
1: Now, number one, there are people who, and, and this is one, especially I heard it now, i am 40 years old within my adolescence there was a thing uh, exploded called the internet and all of a sudden people at church would say you know father the only reason we have fish on fridays is because the pope's brother was a fishmonger and they needed some business (laughs) oh where'd you hear that from the internet on the internet Oh, go golly G willikers. You know, Grover Cleveland said, don't read everything, believe you, everything you read on the internet. And then I'll say, well, how could you have said that? Grover Cleveland didn't live with the internet. So I read it on the internet though. Oh, really? It's like- It must be true. Get, you know, I don't get it. But the reality is, fish is a cold-blooded animal. It was a plentiful creature. Okay? It was therefore inexpensive. It really didn't have anything to do with the fact that Andrew's- Simon Peter, James or John were fishermen. That might've been a nice coincidence, but the reality is it was a cold-blooded animal. It was a common animal or creature, whatever you want to call it. People, I don't want people to write in saying fish aren't animals. You know what I mean, the, the, the things in the ocean. Um, they were called cold-blooded, okay? And the prohibition against meat was of warm-blooded animals initially which would be fowl, cattle, swine, okay, so anything pork-related, beef, chicken, turkey. Um, And incidentally, there's little historical tidbits along the way as well, um, even about some of these animals. But anything cold-blooded was considered that common creature which could be used for nourishment on those penitential Fridays. Because initially, all Fridays, because it's the day our Lord died, the day of the week our Lord died on the cross, it's a way of rooting us in his passion and death and ultimately pointing us to the resurrection. Okay? So those cold-blooded animals were seen as common and cold-blooded. They're not warm-blooded like you or I. And it was seen as a sacrifice. Now, there's always the people who object to a fish fry and say, see, Meatless Fridays and people get lobster or fillet fish sandwich. I mean, not to not to stump for McDonald's. I mean, that's not that's not something that you're gonna you know you know lose the house over, okay. And the majority of this you know your your penitential meals on Fridays. I mean, I grew up with pierogies. I'm from Mount Carmel. We grew up with pierogies. Churches do potato cake sales, uh, mac and cheese with stewed tomatoes. I mean, that's what I. grew up. Cheese pizza, um, these were all ways of, um, you know, upstating for me. You know, that's how I grew up, you know. Um, but the meat, incidentally, um, and I'm, this is a shout-out to a classmate and a good friend of mine from the Diocese of Lafayette, Louisiana, Father Clinton Sensett, he's Cajun. And they would any one of the Cajuns I went to school with would readily point out down at Mount St. Mary's, just remember alligator can be eaten on Fridays because it's cold-blooded.
0: Well, that's so funny.
1: I mean, and, and they do this in, in, the, in Cajun country, you know, like we're like,
0: that's true. Yeah,
1: and, and, and they'll do this. Um, because now, I mean, you might find some alligators that might escape <laughs> from a, a pet tank, you know, a fish tank in the Susquehanna river, but I'm, I, I don't want to catch one of them. And don't okay. to cook it. But Cajuns do that. For instance, but it was a way, a cold blooded animal, and it was seen as a way of sacrifice. Now, when did it all change? Um, 1966. Bed- and and th- this is the problem Pope Paul VI, Pope St. John Jean- Paul VI, Pope St. Paul VI wrote a letter called Panitamini, or, or it means be converted. The first word of, the, of, the, of this letter was be converted. February 17th, 1966. And this is a multiple-page letter on the meaning of fast and abstinence. The only thing people remember from this letter from Pope St. Paul VI was, you don't have to eat meat, you don't have to eat fish on Fridays anymore. When in reality, it was after the Second Vatican Council, okay? And Paul VI, met as a supreme pastor, is meditating on how we're practicing fasting and abstinence. And Paul VI is saying, you know, there are those people that what's maybe they're starving and eating meat would just be sadistic. Or maybe they are eating um lobster, and it's not being New England, but lobster was a tremendous luxury. Are, are they keeping the spirit of fasting on the Lord's Day of Passion on Friday. And the problem with the letter and the problem with the media, they just took it and said, yeah, uh, you don't have to observe Meatless Fridays anymore. yippee y- yippee yay we're done. When what Paul VI actually wrote was, bishops' conferences which might know the best of their own surroundings, whether it's in England and Wales or the United States or Canada or Latin America, bishops' conferences can come together and decide how to observe, not if to observe, but how to observe fasting and and, and abstinence on Fridays, and that they could replace the more traditional meatless observance with, quote, another suitable penance guess what never was reported in our american media the The other suitable penance. people skipped over that we just said oh we don't have to eat meat on friday we eat fish on fridays anymore and so you know we missed the the comma of we still should be doing penance on every friday not just in lent Uh, you know a few years ago the bishops of england and wales made the decision to go back to meatless Fridays to actually specify to the people, because it's measurable, it's hard. Do another penance on Friday. Well, what's that penance? Um, Act of charity or, um, you know, working in the soup kitchen? It's hard, you know, but when you say it's meatless, personally, I try to observe them, okay? It's I try to be practical in it. If I'm going out to a parishioner's home and they serve a meat, I'm not going to say, oh, can't eat this, gotta, can you heat up some uh craft mac and cheese for me? And they're like, you know, what's, you know, what what's what's the intent here? Okay. You know, is it to be a club and to embarrass your hosts or something like that? You know. Um, but no, the church still asks us to observe penance on all Fridays, not just during Lent uh but we should be doing some penance and sometimes meatless um meatless fridays are a very good empirical way to say yes i've done this or yes i
0: haven't that's interesting and it kind of leads me into my next question what about for those of us who maybe are vegetarian or vegan like maybe for for health reasons giving up meat obviously isn't that much of a of a sacrifice so how do they observe and um remain penitential during fridays and lent
1: that's an excellent question is what we're doing simple Mm. there's a beautiful practice in many of our parishes of like a soup in scripture oh you know like on mondays or wednesdays of lent and they get together and have a soup with a bread and then maybe a little catechetical presentation and that's a simple meal so even if you're vegan and you don't want either, you don't want those crab cakes or the salmon. news to you, I'll take them. Okay. I used to hate fish. I hated the smell of it. I hated the look of it. The texture of it. And now it's like, number one, it's, it, it, it. Many times it's healthier, right? And and uh, it's better for cholesterol and all that. You know, I, I, that's what people tell me this week. As long as what we're doing is simple, you know, not extravagant. Ideally you know, if especially remember the almsgiving portion, if you save money on that simple meal, don't just save it to get the filet mignon the next day. Share that with, you know, Catholic charities. Share that with the St. Vincent de Paul Society or the Outreach Society in your parish, you know, Mary's Helpers or Our Daily Bread Soup Kitchen, whatever it may be, that, you know, if, if we have that, Bennett, if you give up smoking during the season of Lent with the hopes to quit, you're going to save a lot of money. Don't just then take that money to Hollywood Casino, take that money and do something good with it. You know that's the whole goal of that be converted in the Christian life
0: That's a really good idea and that's and that's super helpful like don't don't save the money and go buy the bag. you know go give the money to a charitable organization that's that's a really good idea okay so we talked about why we do it now talk to me about fish fries I personally have never been to one. I've heard a oh. lot of amazing things. I know. I know. Shame on me. It's, <laughs> I think even the church up the street from my house does it, but I've, I've, cause fish is not like my favorite. Like it has to be a certain kind of fit, like salmon. I could eat salmon all day long or shrimp or whatever, but like cod, not my thing, but I understand like these fish fries, they don't just serve like fish sticks like that was the thing yep. when, when i was growing up like fish fridays is fish sticks and i'm like uh, i'm kind of tired of this but i hear that they are wildly popular wildly successful why why did some of the churches start offering this as as a benefit is it just for fundraising or is it more community-based like how talk talk to me about the the history of this me, all of the
1: above, <laughs> of the above. <laughs> so number one i, I was look at like up home in Mount Carmel, up in the coal region, potato cakes, lots of people will wait in long lines for potato cakes because they're really hard and messy to make at home. You can only eat three or four. I know people who eat more than that, but like you can only eat like two or three, four, maybe. And most recipes will make 20. And it's like, what are we going to do with all these? So like, you know, oftentimes my brother will help with the potato cake sale because he knows how to flip them. There's a there's an art to it. My brother Dave, and you know the, these, um, and and it's a community service because people like them pierogies. You know, um, my secretary Cheryl, she's from Mount Carmel. She and her husband made pierogies for the Lenten season this past weekend, and she said, "Father, we're soaking up," and I uh, and I have a bag for you in the freezer. So now I have something to eat on Fridays because. You know, it doesn't make sense to make, you know, eight dozen of them when you're cooking for one or two or three or four in your house, or else you're going to be eating them a long time. So I think churches, you know, by the way, there's a joke that we have upstate, you, you know, you know how the Catholic churches make pierogies in order to, which is a meatless, you know, Slavic soul food. Um, you know how churches make pierogies to keep their schools open? Oh, yeah. That's why we call them parochial schools.
0: Uh, But but
1: you know, so there's a community service aspect. Fish, you're frying fish, then your kitchen, your house smells like grease and fish for the next several days. And most people are like, oh, how can we not do this? And so, church, I mean, you know. We're not go, we're not getting wealthy running churches, okay? I have a preacher this past week say to me, you know, Father, um, nonprofit is a tax status, not a business model, and, and encouraging <laughs> us to, to to make sure we know what we're doing with some of our expenses and, and revenues. But you know, so there was that need for funds, and so you know, necessity is the mother of invention. Those churches say, hey, we're Catholic. We have these people who are doing this. We also like getting together. Let's face it. There's nothing that brings a wider community together, but a meal, a community meal, whether it's, you know, spaghetti on second and Steelton or, you know, trucks on Trindle at Good Shepherd, uh, you know, these types of things, it brings people together. And people like not having to cook a meal. So the fish fry was born out of that necessity, which was the mother of invention. And I'll tell you, the fish fries that I've gone to, and now we might get into dangerous territory, Rachel. Okay. For instance, I was a new priest within my first assignment at St. Francis Xavier down in Gettysburg. And in 2011, we had just opened Xavier Center, the new education parish life and education center. And With that comes the mortgage that we wanted to retire. But there's a gym, a cafetorium, you know, gymnasium, cafeteria, auditorium, handicapped, accessible, 350 parking spaces. And we were having a meeting and I said, you know, why don't we try like a meatless meal on Fridays of Lent? And they said, well, aren't we gonna compete with the lone Catholic? I said, but if you know anything about the Adams area, Folks from Hanover don't go to Gettysburg without packing a lunch and vice versa. Okay, I think that our populations were such that you could support two seafood meatless meals. And St. Francis Xavier's, and it was a way of bringing the wider community onto our campus to see the new facility. That was in 2011, they're still going strong. They survived, that fundraiser survived the pandemic. Oh, wow. And they have a great, one of the great, and I don't want to name names, but like Ken um, it, it was a retired New York firefighter and he knew how to cook for lots of people from the firehouse and he took that to a parish setting and it's still going strong and there, it's a Gettysburg's a bilingual parish, okay so they started getting some of the Spanish foods for Lent, in addition to your typical, you know we could call it Anglo foods
0: We've unfortunately run out of time, but if you'd like to hear the rest of this episode, you can listen to us anytime on Spotify under Candid Catholic Convos, or you can download this episode from our website at hbgdiocese.org. Thank you so much for listening. Our goal at the Diocese of Harrisburg is to walk with you on your faith journey. So if this episode resonated with you in any way, the easiest way to show your appreciation is by sharing this program with your network or by leaving a review on your listening platform. You can also support us financially by making a donation online at hbgdiocese.org slash DAC and clicking the make a donation button. Thanks again, and we'll see you at church on Sunday.